Hello and welcome to The Family Show. I'm your host, Eleanor Rossman, and joining me today and every week are Brenda and Randy Lee. Hello. <laughs> good to see you. Always good to see you. Well, it's Christmas, right? It's still Christmas, and it, we're going to talk about that. It is. It is still Christmas. Like, in, And the church and the world are so at odds on this, right? You've got, you've got the world, and they're pushing Christmas merchandising in October. Like, mm. Black Friday used to start the holiday season. Now it's like the halftime show. Mm-hmm. Um, but December 26th, the world is packing it all in, right? Um, the church, meanwhile, won't let you sing a Christmas carol in Advent. But then they string out, you know, Christmas well past New Year's. you got the 12 days of Christmas, Feast of the Epiphany, right? So anyway, we're still in Christmas. It's still okay to talk about Christmas. And Father Charles over at Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament had this great insight on the point of Christmas, Right? Like nine days before Christmas, he was talking about the Beatitudes. First one, blessed are the poor in spirit. Could be translated, blessed are the lowly in spirit, mm-hmm. right? For the kingdom of heaven is theirs, right? And and I never understood poor, lowly in spirit. And it doesn't help that right after that we get blessed are they who mourn, Yeah. right? Really, Sounds like the Beatitudes are starting off as, you are so lucky to be depressed and miserable, yeah. right? I mean, what is this poor in spirit thing, right? And, and Father Charles addresses that, right? He, he goes, okay, so what's the opposite of poor in spirit? Rich in spirit. Exactly, rich in spirit, exalted in spirit, right? Well, what's that mean? My spirit has all that it needs, right? I am my answer. I am the answer to my life, right? Mm -hmm. So what then is poor in spirit? My spirit has nothing of what it needs, and therefore I am not, cannot be the answer to my own life, my own problems, my own needs, because what is here is so impoverished, right? Yeah. So, so here's the twist. What happens to these two people? The one who's spiritually exalted spends his life relying on himself, himself, his own time, his own talents, his own resources to solve his problems, to fulfill his life. The one who is spiritually poor, however, turns to God. God. Yeah. And what happens to the one who turns to God? What resources are available to him? As Jesus tells us, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Right? Suddenly, all the resources in heaven are in play in my life. Can God heal? Then I can be healed. Can God bless? Then I can be blessed. Can God redeem? Then I can be redeemed. So it sounds like you're, you're, what you're saying is that, that recognition that we can't do it ourselves. We have, you know, and that's such a trap. We know that. I know. How many times do you know that? Yeah. Turn to God. But we, on a given day, you're trying to, it's like, okay, Lord, give me the all. reins. Give me the reins again. That's right. And where does hope come from? Right? Think about which of those two people is in a position to be ho- hopeful. The minute that God is the answer to my life, 
then I am living a life of unimaginable potential. Yeah, God forbid it's all up to me. I'm looking to a God who can make everything from nothing, Mm -hmm. right? So what can he not do? But until God is the answer to my life, I am living a life defined by my fleshy limitations. Mm-hmm. Right? If we think about it, the shepherds and the wise men are the oddest assortment of people to show up at the stable. Yeah. And yet they're the perfect combination people to show up at the stable, right? So you imagine you're a shepherd, right? You're working the night shift, you're cold, you're tired, you're poor, dead-end job, right? No dead prospects, job. right? Low person on the social totem pole. You get a text one night, right? You get a text, check your phone, got a hot tip on a savior. Baby just born, living in a cave with the animals on the outskirts of Harrisburg, wrapped in rags, lying in a manger, you ought to go check it out. You can even walk there and not get an Uber. Right, right. Do you go? Of course not, right? (laughs) Your problems are too big to be addressed by a baby poorer and weaker than you are, right? Now, how's that different from the Christmas story, the shepherd story? They didn't get a text. Right. They got a what? Where do they, they get the message? From an angel. Right. A choir of angels. Right? Not just one. They got tons of angels it's floating a bit away. of a difference. Right? Exactly. This baby, poor as he is, has access to the legions of heaven. Yeah. Mm. In that manger, we have a baby with all the resources of heaven to meet our needs, and yet it's still a baby, a god, who would give up everything to be close to us. Us. Yeah. He can be your savior, your answer. He wants to be your answer. The only question is, will you allow him to be your answer? Mm-hmm. Right? The wise men, the kings, completely different dynamic, right? I got nice clothes, I got fine camel, cush job, lots of time off, I'm free to travel, I've got gold, got frankincense, myrrh, the world is my oyster. I've got everything I need to make myself happy. I am the answer to my own life, only I'm not, right? I'm a wise man. Because somehow I've figured out that I am not the answer to my life. Right. So what do I do? I pack it all up. I give it all up. Travel the desert by night so I can worship a baby who's got nothing. Mm -hmm. Why would I do that? Because I'm spiritually poor. Poor. Yeah. Right? And I know I need God. I know he's within my reach. I know if I embrace him, my life will gain so much more than what I'm letting go of. Right? How can a baby in rags be my answer? Me, a shepherd with nothing. How can a baby in rags be my answer? Me, a wise man with everything. Well, when money and wealth and riches 
and poverty are not the solution mm-hmm. to our life, then... Well, that's exactly right. It's not about stuff. Yeah. Right? It's about someone. And, you know, you were saying in the beginning of the program that, you know, how how the world starts celebrating, quote-unquote, celebrating Christmas like mm-hmm. September, mm-hmm. you know, with what? Stuff, stuff, stuff to detract us from that message that we're spiritually poor. Mm-hmm. Great story. Great story. Timing's perfect, by the way. Right? So you got Mary Magdalene, right? Mary Bethany. She's going to anoint Jesus' body, right? You ever wonder where the perfume, the lotion, came from? Right? Avon. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, so Mary's like, I think I'll anoint Jesus tonight. Martha, Lazarus, do we have any perfume? You know? And they go, just the stuff we paid 300 denarii for. And Mary's like, huh, I wanted to save that, but I don't really have time to go out, to shop. I guess I can use that. Right? <laughs> Please. That, that, that's not the answer. Right? Mary knows what she wants. She gathers all the money she has. She goes out and she buys the best stuff she can get. Now, think about it. Mm-hmm. If you were preparing Jesus' body for his passion, that's what she's doing. She's yeah. preparing Jesus' body for his passion. Mm-hmm. What would you pour over him? Mm. Would it be lotion? Would it be perfume? I don't think so. What would you pour over Jesus? What does he want poured over him to prepare him for his passion? What's going to wound him? Hate. Sin. Sin. That's right. What's he want poured over him? Love. Yeah. Right? Your love. Which was indicative of her love. Exactly. It has nothing to do with the ointment. It's her love she's pouring over him. Remember what Judah said... We, you know, we could have sold that for right. a barrel full of money. Why that, are you wasting that? Exactly. And what does Jesus say? Jesus. This is unforgettable. Mm-hmm. They will always remember this. They won't remember ointment. Yeah. Right? Ointment's out of the bottle. It's gone. And they don't remember the money bag. That's exactly. But what they remember yeah. is her love. That great love, yeah. Right? That's... That's what the answer is, mm-hmm. right? The answer is, I am spiritually poor because I need the love of the Father. Mm-hmm. And he, ironically, for some reason, he needs my love. Love. You know, kind of an ironic thing. Brenda, we get together with Brenda's family, right? And they constantly tell stories, great stories, I've never heard them tell a story about a gift they got at Christmas. But I've heard them tell a million stories about the relationships in that family. Hmm. Isn't that interesting that sometimes we spend so much time thinking about the perfect gift. Mm -hmm. We want to give so-and-so the perfect gift. But really, our memories in our family have very little to do with that. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to ask you to stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Family Show on Holy Family Radio. So stay tuned.
We're back with the family show, and we're still talking about Christmas. We are, right? And in fact, we've been talking a lot about shepherds today. And, and just before Christmas, we had the parable of the lost sheep and the good shepherd, which got me thinking not only about the shepherd, but also about the lost sheep, right? So, so the thing that struck me about the shepherd is if you've got a hundred sheep up in the mountains, which is where Matthew has them, or even in the open country, which is where Luke has the hundred sheep, right? You got a hundred, you got not five, not twelve, you got a hundred. If you've got a hundred sheep, how do you even know one is missing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, right. How would you know? I mean, I can understand when you count them back into the pen, but both Luke 18, I'm sorry, Matthew 18, Luke 15 are very explicit that you're leaving the other 99 in the mountains or in the open country. So you are discovering the sheep is missing while they're all spread out over the countryside, right? They're moving about. I mean, the only thing I can think of are either this guy is constantly counting his hundred sheep, right? Which <laughs> can't, little OCD. Really, that's the point, right? It can't be easy. If it were me and I got to 99, I'd probably just count again, right? I'd lose track several <laughs> times. Say, well, whatever. Exactly. Ask the sheep to stop moving around. Anyway, by the time I was sure one was missing, it would be too far gone, right? The other possibility is that this guy just knows the sheep so well that he just looks up and goes, where's Baba? Right? I don't see him, right? This again suggests, as you pointed out, Eller, some incredibly intensive sheep study. We got some obsessive compulsive going on here, right? I mean, any way you cut it, this shepherd is not just obsessive compulsive about his sheep when one goes missing. He's obsessing over these sheep all the time. And that kind of obsession tells us not only is Jesus our answer, but apparently we're his answer Mm. as well, right? The other thing that struck me was I was talking to someone about this parable, and we got, we we both agreed that, that so much attention is given to the shepherd that we don't take enough time to think about the lost sheep, right? What's, what's he thinking about? What's going on inside that sheep's head? However, my friend and I did disagree on what the lost sheep would be thinking, right? You know, so you you have this sheep lost, afraid, maybe trapped, caught somewhere, right? They know they're never getting back home on their own, right? Best chance, maybe only chance is the shepherd. So my friend looks at this and says, I bet the sheep is thinking, God, leave the 99 and please come find me. Right? Yeah. But but I had a different thought, right? So when my sister and I were kids, my family would go camping. And when we went camping, I would always go off hiking on the trails with or without someone, right? Um, they let me because they were hoping I wouldn't come back, but that's a different story. <laughs> right? So we hit this campground. My dad and my mom are setting up camp. That seemed like work, right? So <laughs> I went off hiking, right? Got time for dinner, so my parents send my sister out to bring me back. And my sister comes to a fork in the trail, right? One fork, obviously, only a fool would take. <laughs> she assumes. <laughs> that's the one you took. That's the one I took, right? 
Now, normally she would have been right, but on this occasion, somehow I ended up on the normal path, right? Crazy path takes her out on this ledge. The crazier it gets on the ledge, the more urgently she presses on to try and find me, got to rescue me, right? Ultimately, she slips on the ledge, begins sliding down this rock face, manages to grab a branch. She's hanging from this branch, and she begins to yell, hurry, Grover, hurry, Shirley, right? My parents' names. Not just help or somebody help, not even help, but hurry and their names, right? My sister knew my parents would be listening, coming, right? right? That's why she said hurry and their name. She wanted to make sure, wanted to make it as easy as possible for them to find her, right? You got this sheep, right? You got these sheep, right? They live with the shepherd who knows them all, Mm -hmm. right? All 100 of them by name knows them by face, knows them by voice, knows them by gait, watches them, counts them, cares for them obsessively. Yes. They don't hope he's coming. They they know. They know he's he's coming, coming, right? The question is when. Will they hold on long enough? Mm. Right? As Jenna Grew from Dynamic Catholic put it, do they have the strength to believe God can do anything? You know, let me, if you don't mind, I've interrupt you for one second. No, no, no. Is it, um, thinking Just about, show too. And these days, with so much going on in the world, in the church, we can often feel like we are that sheep hanging on, or like your your sister hanging onto that branch, hoping, trusting. God is going to save us. Mm-hmm. But in believing that, because like you said, when we, when you hear the parable about a hundred sheep, how would you know that it's the hundredth one that's lost, that one out of a hundred is gone? God would know because each one of us is personal to him. Mm-hmm. And so we need to make sure we keep that hope and our mind focused on God to get us through whatever we're in, whether mm-hmm. it's a personal family situation or globally. Mm-hmm. What's happening? Mm-hmm. Believing is it's one of the misconceptions when you move from from the language of English to the language of church or, or Catholicism, right? Because mm-hmm. the word in English, believe, means sort of think that I could be wrong, <laughs> right? That's it's, but when we do the Apostles' Creed in Mass and we say I believe, we're not saying I sort of think this might be true, right? Right? Belief in the church means information that impacts behavior. Information impacts behavior. If I believe God is coming, if I believe he knows me, he wants me, and he's coming to rescue me, then I hold on until he gets there. That's what belief, and that's what hope is. And think what that does to your stress level, right? If you truly believe Mm -hmm. God is there with us in every way, Mm And he can do anything. He can do anything. He will get there in time. I just have to make sure I hold on to him, right? Mother Teresa once wrote to her sisters, and this is a long quote, but it's, it's just, it's just really real. And so, so anyway, she says, 
I worry some of you, some of you being missionaries of charity, nuns, right? I worry some of you still have not really met Jesus. Mm. Missionaries of charity have not met Jesus? One-to-one, you and Jesus alone, we spend time in chapel, but have you seen with the eyes of your soul how he looks at you with love? And do you really know the living Jesus? Not from books, but from being with him in your heart. Have you heard the loving words he speaks to you? Ask for the grace he is longing to give you, right? How can we last even one day? Great Mother Teresa, how can we last even one day without hearing Jesus say, I love you? It is impossible. Jesus wants you to hear him speaking in the silence of your heart. Jesus is cleaving. Notice that word cleaving. What's it mean? You take the meat cleaver, the, the, the art blade thing, you lash it into the meat. You cannot pull that out without totally destroying what you've cleaved it into. Jesus is cleaving to you. Jesus misses you when you don't come close. Mm-hmm. I thirst is something much deeper than Jesus just saying, I love you. Until you know deep inside that Jesus thirsts for you, you can't begin to know who he wants to be for you or who he wants you to be for him. Right? So that's a lot of talk, right? But to fully appreciate the quote, you have to understand where it's coming from. So Mother Teresa has these two periods in her life when she and Jesus are just beyond intimate, right? right? Mother hears him, she sees him, she feels him. And after each of these periods in her life, Jesus is just gone, Yeah, right? And in these periods of his absence, Mother Teresa would be just completely blown away, right? I mean, think the experience to see, hear, feel, taste, you know, experience. Your beloved. Your be- exactly, your beloved. And then not, and uh-huh. then nothing, mm-hmm. right? And the incredible thing is, is Jesus allows Mother to experience this desolation mm-hmm. so she can tell her sisters how yeah. Jesus feels mm-hmm. when they leave him alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Mother Teresa is like, what did I do wrong? Am I unlovable? Why did you forsake me? Where have you heard that one before? Yeah. Father, why they, have you forsaken me? Right, exactly. Why did you forsake me? And Jesus is coming back with, I haven't forsaken you. I have given you a window into the center of my soul, into the center of my heart. This is what I live with. This is what you can remedy for me. Wow. How's that for a New Year's resolution? (laughs) (laughs) What a good resolution, right? Absolutely. Just, I mean, to think of the words, I thirst, we can all remember that. But just to meditate on that. Yeah. To know that's what he speaks to right. our soul. Right. I thir- Even if you don't hear, don't expect to hear the audible words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not going to have that, most of us, in mm-hmm. our life. 
But to but believe if he said it, to believe it, it yeah. then we've got to go with Respond. it. Respond. Yeah. Plane, planes, trains, and automobiles, right? And and Steve Martin and um, John Candy are talking, and Steve Martin says, we love the wives. And John Candy says, love is not a big enough word. Mm. Right? For Jesus, I love you. Mother Teresa, I love you is not a big enough word. I thirst for you. Right. Mm. Well, we are out of time for the family show, but we invite you to join us every Friday at 1230 on AM 720. And keep us in your prayers. So for Brendan, Randy Lee, I'm Eleanor Rossman, and we leave you with the beautiful sound of seasons. Seasons.